Hi, how are you? You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Contraception. For something that so many women use, there are still so many myths and misconceptions out there. In this episode of Fee Play Love, we're talking to Dr. Sneha Widwani about the medium term and reversible contraception options that are available. Hi, Sneha. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Now, if you've already had a baby, are these the types of contraceptions to use if you're thinking about having another one, but you want to wait a while before you start trying again? Ooh. In terms of it being, I'm just trying to work out why you would have something that's medium, medium term. term or reversible. So, um, possibly. Mm. A lot of women who've had children already and perhaps want to think about another one actually don't want to suppress their ovarian activity. So these options may not be the best choice for them. Having said that, if they're young and they've conceived easily, it might well be a choice that they would prefer. Uh, generally speaking, women who've had children tend to go for the longer, more reversible acting contraceptives such as the ones we've discussed in previous podcasts. Um, So these really, you're right, they are that kind of middle ground that not many people tend to go for. And that's for lots of different reasons. So the the medium term contraceptives, really, we're talking about the patch, the ring and the injection. I have heard of the injection. I haven't heard of the other two. <laughs> OK. WTF, what's going on? <laughs> so the patch and the ring really are like the contraceptive pill, just delivered in a different form. OK. Okay, so the ring is quite clever and is inserted into the vagina by the person using it, not by the GP. Okay, okay. it's a squishy hoop. <laughs> for want of I'm a better so term, I'm so intrigued by this idea. Yes. So it is basically a little bendy plastic ring. Okay, um, and it's you can sort of bend it into more of a sausage shape. It's more of a tampon type shape that you can then insert into the vagina. And it doesn't matter where it sits in the vagina. If it feels like it's going to fall out, then you just kind of shove it up a bit further. (laughs) (laughs) That was going to be my next question. But yeah, okay, just shove it back up there. And apparently it doesn't cause any problems with intercourse or anything like that. So, um. And and I have to say, I do have patients who are users and don't have any issue with it at all. A lot of them really quite like it. So what it does is it has estrogen and progesterone in it, rather like the contraceptive pill, and it's absorbed through the tissues in the vagina, which are rich in blood vessels, and therefore it gets absorbed into the bloodstream. The ring sits there for three weeks, and then you take it out. And during that week that you take it out, you have your withdrawal bleed or what we all call a period but it's not a period Um, and that's basically how it works so it it stops ovulation in the same way that the contraceptive pill does it's just absorbed and works in a different way so it avoids the gut I suppose and um, the patch uh, is that a similar thing but it's being absorbed through your skin absolutely well done Siobhan (laughs) see look I could be a GP too not (laughs) so the patch is a weekly patch that you change obviously every seven days and it's absorbed through the skin Um, usually people will put it where it's convenient so usually on the upper arm but it could be anywhere on the tummy on the bottom even you know wherever's good Um, and it stays there for a week and you change it and you put a new one on each week and then at the end of the 
three weeks, you have a patch-free week during which time you will bleed uh, through withdrawal of the hormone. But same idea really as the ring. Um, you know, it absorbs through the skin and the blood vessels in the skin and you get your hormone uh, input that way. Now, I cannot imagine why anyone, given those two options, would still choose to have an injection, but maybe that's just me and my non-love affair with needles. Um, I'm assuming that the injection is simply the same thing. No, the the injection's really quite different. Okay. So the injection isn't estrogen and progesterone. It's progesterone only. So it's kind of like the implant, but it's in a three-monthly versus a three-yearly schedule. Okay. The difference with the the injection, rather, is that it's a much higher dose of progesterone. So it's quite suppressive on the ovarian activity. And that means that a lot of cases... Uh, of women who have it um, injected would not have a period. Now, generally speaking, doctors don't love this option. Um, And the reason for that is some studies came out a few years ago showing that women who potentially were using this option as a contraceptive for long term, so beyond two years continuously, were potentially having lower levels of estrogen in their circulating blood and that that could potentially have an effect on their bone density later on in life. So the advice now is that you can use it for up to two years continuously, but then we recommend that you have a break and use something that isn't so suppressive on the ovaries. So perhaps like a long acting reversible contraceptive instead, or even the pill for a little while, because that's got estrogen in it. So why would people choose just to have a progesterone injection? So for Some people may choose to have a progesterone injection because they can't tolerate estrogen therapy. And that might be for a variety of reasons. So some women don't like the estrogen side effects um, and they may want to avoid it from that point of view. Some women may be unable to take it because of history of disease in the family, such as breast cancer or ovarian cancer. So tumours in the family that are estrogen dependent, they may want to avoid um, taking a a contraception with estrogen for that reason. Also because um, they may have an inherited blood clotting disorder, which may put them at higher risk of deep vein thrombosis, which can be a risk with estrogen therapy. Um, So they may want to avoid it for that reason. And also if they're taking other medications such as anti-epileptics and certain, even some medication that treats fungal nail infections, you know, can interact with estrogen poorly. Wow. Okay. Well, there's some good reasons for that. Um, Out of the three, are any more reliable, effective in terms of contraception? So the, uh, I suppose because the injection isn't user-dependent, apart from coming to the doctor and having the injection on time, its efficacy is probably greater. Um, with the patch and the ring, it is reliant on the you know, the person using it, changing that at the right time. So just for that reason, really, the injection would be safer in terms of a contraceptive option, but again, has to be delivered every three months. And what about side effects? You just spoke about um, quite a few reasons why someone would choose to only have a progesterone injection. 
Are there side effects to doing it that way? And, and what about the patches in the ring? Yeah, so as I'm sure we're all aware, you know, contraceptives that get into the bloodstream and affect the whole body can have a wide range of side effects. I see lots of women who take the pill and have no problems and take a mild pill and have loads of problems. And equally the same with the progesterone-only uh, contraceptives such as, such as the injection. So really it's about those hormones side effects and they can be really wide-ranging you know from headaches and bloating and moodiness and breast tenderness and low libido to discharge and all sorts of things really but one what might affect one person may not be what affects somebody else and in terms of uh, fertility do any of these have a long-term effect on fertility so I suppose out of all of them, the depot injection, the contraceptive injection would be the most likely to cause issue, largely because it is more suppressive on ovarian activity. However, with all of these contraceptives that do suppress ovulation, there is a risk that it can take up to a year for ovulation to come back after you've stopped using those methods. And are they generally more affordable, these options? So the patch is not as readily available in Australia as perhaps in Europe and the UK. Uh, the ring is, um, and the depot is is readily available as well. Um, and the, the depot is the injection. The injection, mm-hmm. sorry, yes. Um, yeah, they're much of a muchness, really, um, and it depends just, you know, on your choice, really, in terms of how you want to deliver your contraception. I don't think cost is a big factor in this. Yeah, so in terms of choosing this over a more longer-term acting ID, it might be that they simply don't want to have something in their body that's the choice they make is that absolutely one? I mean I guess what I'm saying is if you compare these methods the medium term methods to say the pill the price is probably very similar however if you compare it to the longer acting contraceptions like the implant specifically and the Mirena specifically because they're on the PBS they are far cheaper yeah right that's so interesting well Sneha thank you for coming in and talking to us you're welcome That was Dr. Sneha Rudwani, and we have many more episodes about different types of contraception with Sneha, and if you'd like to have a look at those, all you need to do is search for Sneha in the episode list of this podcast or at our website, that's babyology.com.au forward slash feedplaylove. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.